Welcome to the Young Christian Business Guy video podcast powered by CBMC, the show for young Christian business guys about young Christian business guys. We talk sports, we talk business, but most importantly, we talk about Jesus. Today is July 21st, 2020. I am John Harrison, your host. As a community, we're unapologetically Christian, unapologetically business guys, and unapologetically open and vulnerable about our lives the challenges that we face, and the faith and the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. We believe in spiritual mentorship, a.k.a. discipleship, learning what it means to follow Jesus and what it looks like to follow Jesus from another man. And we believe in the power of peer groups, surrounding yourself with people that are growing in their faith and can help you grow into the man that God designed you to be. So today, July 21st, I'm extremely excited, enthusiastic for all of our listeners out there. We're continuing with the trend of getting the guys from down south on the show. So I'm excited to bring this guy on the show all the way from Atlanta, Georgia. Um, I'm encouraged to hear about not only his professional life, but his spiritual life, and maybe a little bit about one of my old favorite sports, lacrosse. And so without further ado, I just want to welcome to the Young Christian Business Guy video podcast all the way from Atlanta, Frankie Kelly. Frankie, welcome to the podcast, my friend. John, good afternoon. Fired up to uh, be here and having listened to a few of these podcasts, uh, I, I love the the content and the encouragement it's been to me and hopefully I can pass that along to others as well. Yeah, man. Well, we're super excited to have you. For those of you that are tuning in on the audio platforms, I'm looking at Frankie Kelly, really handsome, good looking guy. He's even got the Southern kind of like side flip of the hair all the way down there in Georgia. And for those of you that haven't seen a video episode for a while, Operation Quarantine Curls is just exploded <laughs> here for me. So thankfully I'll be going to the barbershop on Thursday, taking care of this. But Frankie, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself personally, professionally, Phil in. Yeah, sure thing. So I am originally from Baltimore, Maryland, um, where I spent year one through 18, grew up there. My family is all still there. Um, you talk about talking sports, John, and you, you'll brag about your Kansas City Chiefs. My Baltimore Ravens are coming for you. I think we might be one of the only ones that have a shot to take you down. Uh, mm -hmm. So hopefully we can give you a little run for your money over the next couple of years. It should be exciting to watch. But um, Went to college at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, so go Heels, uh, and, and went down to play lacrosse. Uh, and after graduating from uh, UNC, I uh, went to Philadelphia, lived there for a couple of years, worked at Ernst & Young. Um, I graduated with a degree in business and history and then got my one-year master's in accounting um, as like a fifth year down at Carolina. And so Ernst & Young in Philly for two years. I then married my wife in the summer of 2017. She was a gymnast in North Carolina, and that's a big part of our faith story is, you know, sort of campus athletic ministry while in Chapel Hill. And so, um, you know, we uh, moved to Atlanta, Georgia after we got married, and we've been here for the last three years. We She's from Cleveland, Ohio, so we had no ties to Atlanta, but um, ended up down here because a friend of ours who played baseball at the University of North Carolina became a pastor. Um, and the church that we went to in the Triangle area plants a handful of churches every year. And we joined Pastor Mike and, and Image Church here in Atlanta to get started. And so we've been here three years and we love it. We just bought a home during quarantine, uh, which was a wild experience. And so we are, are, are rolling sort of with that life down here in Atlanta. No kids, but um, enjoying uh, our three years of marriage so far. Praise the Lord. 
Hallelujah. I'm coming up on four years. We were just catching up about that when we started the show. So lacrosse player, I think people who haven't played lacrosse, it's an awesome game. I had the opportunity to play for for two or three years in middle school. And it's just such a great combination of so many different sports, but yet we won't get into that. So <laughs> I, I, I just love the game. And, and I know that that obviously you do too. And I know your dad was devastated with everything that's happened with seasons getting canceled and as yeah. all athletes are. But I want to talk to you a little bit about specifically the step of faith that you and your wife took. Okay. So you, you, you followed the, the Lord's calling on your life to go and support your friend who became a pastor to Atlanta, no ties. Obviously she was from Cleveland. You were from the East coast. Tell me a little bit about that step of faith, what that looked like from a prayerful consideration standpoint, and maybe some unexpected joys or blessings that have come from that step of faith without knowing what the future looked like. Yeah, for sure. Without getting too much into our entire story and background, mm -hmm. it I'd like to say that we were all gung-ho on during a church plant. We were just waiting for the right one, but it actually was the result of a lot of closed doors as we were sort of figuring out where we wanted to live once we got married. Um, she was doing Teach for America and living outside Raleigh, North Carolina, and I was living in Philadelphia working in public accounting. And, you know, we kind of knew, hey, we're going to do this for a couple years and, and, and then get married. And um, we, it was a constant topic of conversation. Where should we live? What should we do once we get married? I could come back to North Carolina, sort of re-enter her world. She could come to Philadelphia and enter my world. But we were attracted to this idea of sort of starting a world on our own somewhere mm -hmm. away from um, both of our families, which are large, great, awesome families that we'd love to be a part of and closer to someday in some capacity. But just to kind of start our family unit on our on our own where um, people knew us just for us. And that led to a couple options that, you know, we felt really excited about, but ended up getting slammed close uh, about six months before our wedding. Um, and it was at that point that we reconnected with Mike and found out that he was getting tapped to lead a church plant down here in Atlanta and started to, um, you know, pursue what might that look like and, and start to look at job options and all of that. And it was, it was a wild experience. Um, you know, I, I thought I had a pretty good resume with a master's, my CPA license, public accounting, accounting experience. And I got like denied from six jobs and you're kind of like, God, like, you know, we're planning a church, give me a job in the city we're trying to go to. Uh, but it worked out really well in, in what I'm I'm doing now. And, and she teaches fourth grade at a school here locally where I coach lacrosse and middle school football. Um, and so we've been able to enter that community uh, really well. And so, you know, we sort of backed into it, but ended up jumping on board with the launch team of about 25 people. Um, and it has been uh, unique for sure. The church has about 150 to 200 people at it now. And so it's been cool to see it grow slowly over three years. and um, you know, for us, I think we had always been um, consumers of church, I'd say, you know, we were part of some great churches, but, you know, you're in college or you're in high school and, oh, they've got a great ministry for this. They got a great ministry for that. And you get to sort of partake and just consume and to be a part of building a ministry that way, I think has been humbling and um, eye opening in that, you know, there's a lot that goes into decision making and pulling things off. And so I think it's allowed us to really appreciate what goes into ministry appreciate what like you doing with this. There's probably a ton administratively that goes on in the background that, that we don't ever see. You see a great 25 minute podcast or video, you know, with, with this awesome conversation, but there's a lot of work that goes into that. And I think to, to see that and appreciate that has been um, something that's, that's kind of humbled us and, and given us a, a great view 
into, hey, when you're critiquing a ministry or any sort of people in leadership, like unless you're really in there laboring, it's really hard to speak truth into those situations um, well. And so uh, that's been something that we've learned for sure. Sounds like it's been better than anticipated. I mean, the, the Image Church is growing. You guys have gotten integrated into the community there, but you used a phrase, and I would say probably a theological lesson that is one of the most challenging in our Christian walk, is it was a result of closed doors. A result of closed doors. And how often in our lives do we have a path laid out or door think should be opening, but in reality, the Lord is closing those doors because he has something better, bigger, different in mind for us. And so I just appreciate you sharing that because it's a hard perspective to have. And it's so much easier to look back and say, oh, well, yeah, great. Things are great now. But in the midst of that, I'm sure the unknowns were challenging. So I appreciate your openness around that and praise the Lord for all he's doing with you and your wife and Image Church there in Atlanta. That's fantastic. I want I want to hear more about you. I know you're a sharp guy. I mean, your education is through the roof. Number one, I'm also a Kansas Jayhawk, so it's kind of cool. Opposites attract. Um, so I'm so happy that you guys have Roy Williams there. And he yeah, thanks for Roy. National yeah. titles for you guys. We just prepped him. He really built his foundation there in Lawrence. <laughs> we actually taught him how to win. But then anyway, so we won't even get into that either. But you know, the Kansas City Chiefs. I do have my red on. Uh, Super Bowl Fifty Four champ. Super excited. Anyway. Talk to me about what you do professionally. Obviously, you're you're implementing your skills that you've learned. Fill us in. What what do you spend your time doing, Frankie? Yeah, and I'll throw one more jab in there. Roy got to a Final Four and got smoked by my Maryland Terrapins when I was a kid growing up. If you remember that uh, in 2002, uh, I think yes. so. Um, but so the job, I mean, it's kind of along that same theme of of doors um, having been closed. You know, I applied to six jobs. I got turned down and was really confused. But the jobs that I had applied for, you know, traditional jobs, jobs where you, you, you're working on a salary, you're working um, a certain set of hours. And it's, you know, I wouldn't have had the flexibility to be able to coach football and lacrosse like I am doing now at, at my wife's school. And the job I ended up getting was working for a company called TechCXO. And we do accounting consulting for tech startups. Um, we come alongside early stage companies to help them with their chart of accounts, um, their financial processes, um, so that as they grow, they can go out and raise rounds of investment. They can go out and maybe, you know, get bought or, or you know, buy other companies or, or get acquired themselves. But in order to do that, you have to have some financial um, processes and, and foundations in place. And, you know, a lot of those companies don't have the budget for a CFO, but we come and do it sort of on a fractional basis part-time. And so really attractive and exciting work for me. The pro of that was, I have total flexibility. The con is I don't have a salary. I work on billable hours. And so, you know, for the first six to eight months of our marriage, you know, <laughs> I was not making what I was used to making um, before. And it, you know, that's kind of humbling as a, a newly married guy. And, you know, you, you kind of had to shed the bravado of providing for my family real quick when, you know, the budget runs out 16 days into the month and you're trying to save some sort of money and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, um, uh, you know, at, at first it was like, gosh, this is, I got to go get a real job, but it slowly started to pick up. And, um, you know, the, the different partners within our company that I worked with and different clients, you know, we got more and more hours with, and, um, that turned into a, a really awesome setup where I am able to work as many hours as I need, you know, to make a living for our family and, and really help some awesome entrepreneurs and, and leaders 
um, a couple of them Christians in their own right. And it's been cool to sort of walk through their journey of startup life with them. But on the flip side, every day at 3 p.m., go and coach lacrosse or coach football. Uh, and, and to be able to have that sort of flexibility has been has been priceless. Or even to do stuff with Image Church. You know, my wife took on running the kids ministry for a year, uh, about 18 months. We, we I was her assistant to the kids director, and uh, it was a, a, a wild time. And so we were able to do things like that because of the flexibility that my job um, provided in a lot of ways. And so looking back, being thankful that the Lord did shut the door on some of those job opportunities. I thought I was a shoe in for um, only to open this door that I got this job the day before our wedding. And uh, I mentioned we just moved. We were cleaning out some papers. And one of them was my contract that I signed the day before our wedding, the day of our rehearsal dinner. When we were in, you know, Chagrin Falls, Ohio, getting ready to get married. And I'm, you know, in the hotel trying to find a copying machine and, you know, a fax machine to send in my I-9 and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was just a cool reminder, like, to where we are now, where we've, we've bought a house and we're kind of settled in Atlanta. And only three years ago, you know, I was scrambling to print out a contract I just secured the day before um, our wedding. And so, you know, the, the blessing of time to look back like that always shows um, you know, how, how the Lord has worked in your life, even if you weren't a hundred percent sure what was going on in the moment. Mm, hallelujah. So is that what you're doing currently? Was it tech CXO? Is that? Mm-hmm. Yep. Tech T E C X or T E C H and then CXO. Uh, and so I did, I've, I'm still doing that. I, I've done, I've started over the last year and a half to do some work with Chick-fil-A. Uh, here in Atlanta and Chick-fil-A's headquarters, totally unrelated to accounting. Mm. But this sort of contractor life has afforded me the ability to do that, where I, I still work with some tech CXO clients. And I do work with with Chick-fil-A on, on their drive-through efficiency team. Um, we use film the way a football or lacrosse team would to watch Chick-fil-A drive-throughs and help them get better and, and break down film um, the, the same way a sports team would. And so we use the same software that I we used at North Carolina lacrosse, the same that Roy uses with North Carolina basketball. And it's been a really cool project that COVID actually like accelerated big time because all of a sudden drive throughs were the only way you could sell and consulting you could only do virtually. You couldn't travel to restaurants and, and check out what was going on. And so it's been uh, an incredible experience to be a part of Chick-fil-A. They're such a um, impressive company and um, it's been it's been really cool to be a part of that team and, and work there as well. So I'm kind of all over the place on the work front, but mm-hmm. it's uh, it's been an exciting three years. Yeah, the, the drive through efficiency. That's an interesting concept. You know, I have a mentor tell me, he said, John, you don't learn from experience. You learn from evaluated experience. So I think that's what you're doing. You're evaluating their experiences. And then obviously the the season that came, nobody could have known. But now the preparations that were done, not only previous to this season, but also during this season are now executing and hopefully providing, uh, you know, a flourishing environment for the Chick-fil-A, which I'm the, the owner operators, the employees, et cetera. So that's fantastic. So I want to hear from you. So Tech CXO. So I know we have guys across the country that listen to this show. We have quite a few entrepreneurs that tune in, guys that do everything from real estate investing to uh, MRR based companies to different mm-hmm. software you know, products. What's one or two tips from a financial perspective that you see young entrepreneurs maybe not pay enough attention to, and they could be a little bit more diligent on the front end? Mm. I think one of the most important things is to, uh, the way I say it is to lay down the railroad tracks well, so that when the train gets humming, it's got a place to go. I think the biggest mistake a lot of young companies make is they leave 
financial processes or other internal administrative processes until we start to achieve growth. And, and once you get you know growth hockey sticks and it really starts to go, it's hard to change processes while the train's moving. And so, you know, really encouraging young entrepreneurs to think critically about, you know, the processes that will be needed for your company in three years and to start to implement those now, even if it seems a little bit like overkill or it's boring or it's not your, you know, personality or whatever that might be, seek the advice, seek the uh, consultation that, that you need to be able to lay those railroad tracks down because then, you know, that, helps you uh, so much when the growth does start to come uh, and when you start to um, work with outside vendors and bigger clients and, and even perhaps different investors that, that want to you know, be a part of what you're doing, you can turn around and hand them data and information quickly and confidently uh, and not be scrambling and end up in a place where you didn't do it on purpose, but you misled somebody with numbers um, or, or with your results. And so that's been something that, you know, it takes a lot of time to unwind and change process once the, once the engine's humming. Mm -hmm. That's, that's huge. I think that's huge. Most entrepreneurs that I meet, I don't know if you agree with this, but most entrepreneurs I meet are not the most committed to their financial side of things. Right. Usually the best that I know are the ones who have been successful, have partnered with people uh, like yourself, organizations like yours that really come in and complement, I would say their skill sets. But that's a great bit of advice to, to, to young business guys, lay the railroad tracks early, not only as entrepreneurs, but I think that's a perfect segue into our personal life and our spiritual lives is, is to lay the railroad tracks, right? How are, how are we setting ourselves up for success? So I want to transition a little bit into talking about spiritual disciplines. I think spiritual disciplines are so important for continuing to grow in our spiritual walk and relationship with the Lord. And so I think of everything from prayer to worship, to fellowship, to reading the word, to witnessing and sharing your faith. Could you share a little bit of a spiritual discipline that you're working on right now in your life? Something that you maybe feel like, you know, hey, I'm really succeeding at this. Looking back over the last three years, this is something I've really come a long way in. Let's maybe take a minute and celebrate a victory in your spiritual life, something that's been consistent in your life. Yeah, no, that's good. Two things come to mind. One is sort of a little bit of part of my story and getting to this point, you know, coming into college, you've obviously, my dad's super involved with CBMC. So it was my father-in-law actually in Cleveland, which is crazy. Uh, he, he leads a Bible study in, in Cleveland, but, you know, I, I grew up in a religious household, but getting to college, I think, and, and being a part of the Summit Church in North Carolina, I understand for the first time, this gospel-centered preaching that really pushed the the gospel is not just good news that acted as sort of your your hell insurance or hey you you prayed a prayer you walked down an aisle you got saved but the gospel was the motivating force for a christian lifestyle you didn't graduate on to varsity christian things you know like spiritual disciplines it all always came back to the gospel and so that's been something that's been working out in my life i'd say over the last you know five to eight years as I've learned that lesson. And, and that's so important because I'm an oldest child. I'm a type A, I'm an accountant. Like, um, you know, the, I, I seek to um, achieve and I seek to please and get approval. And so to be able to look at, hey, my spiritual walk, my spiritual disciplines that I want to pursue, right? I'm not going to white knuckle it and get there. I need to look back to the cross and let gratitude towards the gospel be my fuel and not like my own motivation or energy to pull something off. And so that's been one big lesson I learned in college, but it just plays out every day. Love that. That is, 
That is so good, Frankie. So good. I just want to take a second and just rest on that and discuss that. So yeah. our our church, uh, our, our pastor shared a message a couple weeks ago now is out of second Samuel chapter nine. And it's when King David, who was close friends with Jonathan, I believe, and I don't have my general counsel of, of, uh, you know, biblical scholars around me giving me advice on this. So forgive me if I'm wrong. Uh, there was David and there, there was, he wanted to show kindness. And so he said, how can I show kindness? Uh, Jonathan is gone. And I believe Saul was gone, had passed away. And they said, there was this man named Meshibaphet. I might be mispronouncing it, but I'm going to call him Meshibaphet. And he was the grandson of Saul, I believe Jonathan's son. And he was lame. He was, he was a paraplegic or a quadrant, you know, he, he, he couldn't walk. And so Jonathan said, to whom can I show kindness, right? And during that time frame, it was very much improper, uh, not accepted to have someone who was lame, who was disabled in the presence of a king. And so David invited Meshibaphet into his table. He invited him to the king's table and he shared, you know, you can sit with me. You can be at the king's table anytime. So it was this beautiful representation of showing kindness to somebody, which in our world today, we're always trying to do that and should be doing that especially. But the pastor flipped the script. He then said, how many of you saw yourself as David in the story? Yeah. Asking yourself who you could show kindness to. When right. he said, we're all just in fact, Meshibaphets. Yeah. We don't deserve a seat at the king's table. And yep. so the reason that we serve and the reason that we love and the reason we're so compassionate is kind is because we understand that we were given a seat at the table when it didn't make sense. And I just think that so beautifully represents what you were saying is that it's gospel centered, not just as hell insurance or not get out of jail free card, but it really motivates us day in and day out. So I really appreciate you bringing it back to that, that gospel centered life of just a daily reminder, not a one-time existence, but a daily reminder for us to continue to live our lives from that perspective. Yeah. So Frankie, I want to, I want to ask you a little bit about two things. So here at CBMC, we, uh, we believe really strongly in the power of peer groups in the power of discipleship, the power of, of learning what it means to follow Jesus and what it looks like to follow Jesus from another man. And we also believe in the power of surrounding yourself with an accountable group of believing brothers that can help you grow into the man that God designed you to be. So could you share with me a little bit about either discipleship or peer groups and the role that they've played in your Christian walk? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's played a huge role. Um, when I was in college, uh, as a part of Athletes in Action at North Carolina, there was a guy named Mike Exencamper who was on staff who discipled me every Thursday morning at 11 a.m. after practice and before class for three or four years. Uh, and that had an incredible impact on my walk, that sort of one-on-one -on -one time that was consistent. And I really appreciate that for him. And it was it's, what's cool about Mike, he ended up marrying my wife and I. Um, he had been on staff for about 20, 25 years and actually helped lead my two uncles to Christ who played lacrosse in North Carolina. And so that sort of legacy, you know, and he's still doing it to this day, mm -hmm. um, got to be a part of that. Uh, I was then in a, a group called the 12 that a, a buddy of mine named Benton Moss, I think it'd be awesome for this show. He played baseball at Carolina, played in the minors for a little bit, but also a business school guy, really sharp mind. And he started this thing called the 12, which paired a um, business school student 
a lot of them were athletes with somebody in the local community who was a Christian businessman. And I got paired with a guy named Henry Kastner through that. Uh, when he lived in Durham, he lives out in sort of the Bay Area now. But Henry uh, started a company called Bandwidth and um, now runs um, Sovereign's Capital uh, and has a podcast called Faith Driven Entrepreneur um, that is, is, is quality as well. And, and so he was sort of my, he went to my rival high school from Baltimore, Maryland. So that's why we got paired together. And he was able to pour into my life from more of a career standpoint as well as I entered the work world and helped me think through sort of doing, you know, your career and business that way. Uh, and so that was really, really special. And then here at Image, we have a you know small group that meets on Tuesday nights and we do guys and girl kind of breakout every other week. And so there's a group of, you know, eight to 12 guys that every other Tuesday has been just us meeting um, and working through life. And a lot of that contentment around, hey, God's closing a door here and opening doors there, you know, I shared with and kind of labored with, um, with them. And so they were instrumental in that um, and, and continue to be. And we're a young church, so there's not a, a ton of like, oh, you know, here comes the older generation coming alongside. But um, we, we've been able to sort of do that for each other in a, in a really special way. And so um, those are those are three instances where that's happened. Mm -hmm. The recurring theme that I heard from from both of those was consistency. I think it was when, when you were at UNC, just the consistency. I couldn't remember if you said Tuesday or Thursday mornings at 11, but it was like consistent yeah. consistency. I think there's so much power in the, the discipline of consistency, whether yeah. that's discipleship or peer groups or habits or disciplines or, you know, prayer, whatever it is, just yeah. consistency, I believe allows us to flourish. So before we jump to our verse of the day, Frankie, I'm really interested. First off, how old are you this year? Tw 28 years old. Okay. 28 years old. All right. I want you to think back to when you were 23, 24, four or okay. five years ago. Okay. Yeah. Uh, grass is uh, green. Sky is blue. You're sitting across the table from your younger self. And what are one or two things that you would share with your younger self? Hmm. Well, that's a great question. Um, <clears throat> I would say to, to not uh, underestimate the value of, um, you know, in your, you, you know, we talked about spiritual disciplines. In your spiritual disciplines, make sure that you are communing with God all the way through and all the time. It's easy to say, well, I read my Bible. I, I prayed. I even, I, I did a devotion. I, I went to small group. I serve in kids. I help plant a church, but like, there's a lot of times where I think I found myself reading books about God and even reading scripture, but not spending time with God. Like I can read where there's a few guys um, within our small group at church where, you know, helping them. They're not married guys. And we're talking through kind of purity and what does it look like to pursue the Lord in that as they, you know, get closer to marriage. And one of the things we talked about recently was Luke um, 18, I think with the Pharisee and the tax collector and, you know, the tax collector, you know, Pharisee says, Lord, thank you that I'm not like these other people. You know, I give a 10th of all I have. I fast twice a week and, you know, kind of beating his own chest. And the tax collector breaks his clothes and says, doesn't even look up and says, God have mercy on me, a sinner. And it was a great lesson, but it was also like, it's one thing to read this story, but how do we take that posture, right? Not mm -hmm. just to read this story every morning, but to have that be the posture of our heart and actually commune with God um, and not just learn things about him. Because that's, that's definitely some, a trap I fall into. And I'd say, hey, man, keep spending quality time with God, not just kind of learning about him or listening to another sermon or a podcast or something like that. 
So I appreciate that because that's not only a word for four or five years ago, Frankie, that's also a word today for John Harrison is the communing with God, communing yeah. with God. You actually can read uh, Hear My Heart, the story that Billy Graham wrote towards the end of his life. And he recapped his journey of ministry, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people that he preached in front of, countries that he visited. And he said, the one thing looking back, I wish I would have done is spent just more time with the Lord. Yeah. So that's a no, great, it's very true. Great word, Frankie. Well, let's close with our verse of the day today. Uh, this is one that I love. Um, so it's James chapter 4, 13 through 17. And it says, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go into this city, spend a year there, do business, and make profit. Yet you do not know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. James 4, 13 through 17. Frankie, share your thoughts on what this verse means to you. Yeah, it's been particularly potent to us this summer, even within COVID, where my wife and I, and I'm sure some of the young Christian business guys listening can relate to this, where we're trying to make all these decisions that feel like are dominoes on each other. It's one big circular reference. And, you know, do we buy the house first or do we start a family first? But we don't want to start a family till we're close to family, but we don't want to get close to family till we buy a house. And so we're mapping out meticulously, well, this job, we can be here for this long, then maybe we'll go to this city and, you know, we'll be close to the family. And then we'll start a family and that's when we'll buy a house, but we kind of want to buy a house now because our lease is up. And, you know, so it's, it hit me like a ton of bricks reading this earlier in the summer, basically saying, like calling out that exact mindset that, hey, you can make these plans, but realize it's the Lord that's going to establish your steps. It doesn't say don't make the plans, but it says make them understanding that if the Lord's if the Lord wills it, that, that this will happen. And so to hold those loosely um, as we're thinking through life and trying to scheme ways that we want to, you know, live our lives. It's a big decision to make. You can live anywhere in the country. You can do anything you want. How do you do it? And so I think that's a great framework uh, in which to take those next steps forward. Amen. So good, Frankie. So good. We love to plan it out, but really inquiring of the Lord. What is our life? It's just, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, a mist. It's a vapor. Um, so we ought to say if it's the Lord's will to have it be done. So Frankie, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on today. Thanks so much for sharing your heart. It's so encouraging to hear about what the Lord is doing through you and, and your wife down there in Atlanta with Image Church and Tech CXO and that the, the opportunity you have to be doing some work with Chick-fil-A, but also giving back from a lacrosse perspective to some of those younger guys. So I just appreciate you sharing your heart and I look forward to connecting again soon. Thanks for coming on the Young Christian Business Guy video podcast. Yeah. Thank you, John. That was a fun episode. That was awesome. Um, although Frankie and I had the differences of the Tar Heels and the Jayhawks and the Ravens and the Chiefs, I'll probably give his edge to the Tar Heels, but I'd give my edge to the Chiefs. Uh, we were able to at least spend a little time together and talk about some awesome, awesome things. So he shared just a couple things that I want to touch on before we wrap the show up today. He said, um, ending up in Atlanta, there were so many beautiful things that were the result of closed doors. They were the result of closed doors. And we think about that in our lives. Oftentimes, we want doors to be open. We think we know exactly the direction we should be going. God, this is where we need to be. This is how we need to do it. And when a, a door closes, that's a painful thing that we, we don't understand it oftentimes, but there's something else in store for us. And so we have to take those steps of faith and walk in that. 
Uh, he talked about there was a shift that went through uh, he and his wife in their life. They went from becoming consumers of church to helping to build a church consumers of church to helping to build a church. And that's such a beautiful experience to uh, see what actually goes into equipping the body of believers. And he talked about this idea uh, from a work perspective that I wanted to touch on because guys that are listening to this, young entrepreneurs, he said, I'll tell you what, Frankie's rare, right? With how skilled he is from a financial perspective. He said, lay the railroad tracks early lay the railroad tracks early. So for you young entrepreneurial guys, you real estate investors out there, if you're not figuring out, figuring out your finances and setting up the systems and the processes early on, it's going to get more difficult every day you wait. I think about a fishing rod that gets the line all wound up, right? Think about how much energy and time is going to go into unwinding that when if you just were to to, to do it on the front end and be proactive, what a difference it can make. So as you're building your business, that's a great strategy. Lay the railroad tracks early. Uh, and then what I want to focus on is this gospel-centered living. Gospel-centered living. As young Christian business guys, just as people, we can get so caught up in the spiritual doings, the spiritual disciplines, instead of just focusing on the gospel-centered living. But then most importantly, what he said, he would have told his younger self is communing with God, communing with God. And finally, the theme that resonated throughout Frankie's life with me as I was talking to him was the theme of consistency. He's consistently had people in his life that have been helping him not only in his spiritual life, but his personal life and his professional life. So I encourage you, what are you doing consistently? Who is encouraging you consistently? Who are you meeting with consistently? Because the consistency of our habits is going to determine the direction of our lives. The consistency of our habits is going to determine the direction of our lives. And then we wrapped up with James chapter 4, 13 through 17. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go into this, city, into this city, spend a year there, do business and make profit. Yet you do not know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's words, we'll live and do this or do that. Such a great reminder for you and me both. We are a mist. Our life is but a vapor. So let's make it count. So if you're tuning into this show today, I want you to really think about who are you spending time with? If you feel like you need to get, get connected to a spiritual mentor, if you need to get, get connected to a peer group, we have a presence in over 340 cities. I want you to visit YCB guy, Y is in young, C is in Christian, B is in business guy, GUY.com. Fill out your information. We will get you connected either virtually or in person. We have guys that are standing by ready to be spiritual business mentors to younger guys. We have groups of guys that are meeting on a regular basis. We can get you connected to our weekly national call on Tuesdays at 12 Central Standard Time for young Christian business guys. Or if you want to learn what it means to be a Christian. If you want to just digest a little bit, ask questions. We believe that faith is not the absence of doubt. Uh, it's the processing of doubt. If you're trying to figure that out, check that box. We will get you connected. So today, July 21st, 2020, I am John Harrison, your host, and thanks for tuning in to the Young Christian Business Guy video podcast. Remember, stay on purpose. We'll see you next time. Take care.